0: So, hey, if your feet are on the pew in front of you, can you take those off? That'd be great. Don't feel bad if that's you. There's just it's no guilt when we're talking about the gospel. Um, who, see this Bible that's in front of you, too? Sweet. So pull it out. This is really cool because sometimes, like, Christians are like, like, oh, I know where stuff's in the Bible. And then they feel weird because they don't. Like, who cares if you don't? So look, right in the beginning, there's this table of contents. It's super cool. It's like you just go to it. You're like, oh, there's the book of Galatians that we're talking about on page 972. I'll just turn it there. And now you know where we're at. We're on 972. Is Demis here? Yeah, I thought that might have happened. Demis was going to read Galatians chapter 2 to us, and then I saw him like leaving earlier, and I was like, hmm, wonder how that's going to work. He'll probably be back. So, who's my person today? You're going to come up here and you're just going to read Galatians 2 to us out of this. Ryan, come read. Welcome Ryan up. He is our reader.
1: Galatians chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose.
0: Yeah. Woo! Ryan, can you do me a favor? One more favor? Can you give me some tap water? Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm thirsty. Thirsty. <laughs> Well, sweet. That's a good word right there, huh? So we're just going to read about five more times, and once God speaks to you, just walk away and church is over. A lot of new people here, they're like, whoa, dude, this is weird. No. But it is a good word, man. The Bible preaches. It really does. Well, sweet. We are talking Galatians 2 today. Last week I talked Galatians 1. If you didn't get the start of the series, you might want to go back on the podcast and get that. Um, today's topic, we're going to say the law crushes you but grace lifts you. It really does. The law will crush you, but the grace of God will always lift you. And so, Father, we just say thank you for the truth of Jesus, that he is alive, that he's resurrected. And because of his resurrection, your word says we are alive today. God, we don't want to wait for Easter to celebrate the resurrection. God, we want to be people daily that are celebrating that we have gone from death to life in you. And we ask today, God, that you would just speak clearly through me God, out of your good word, we love you in Jesus' name. Rad. So if you don't know, Paul is the author of Galatians. I talked about this last week, so I'm not going to go in crazy details. Um, But Paul is fired up. He is fired up. Every other letter, Paul kind of opens up with a little bit of a hug. Hey, I'm so happy for you guys. I thank God for you. I bless you. Galatians, he kind of just gets right in it. He releases a little peace, a little grace, he says, but he doesn't give any thanks. And the reason why is because what had happened is the Galatians who were Christians, had, they were Jews who became Christians, had fallen from the grace of God. They had fallen back into legalism. And there's certain things in following Jesus that should fire us up. And one of them is religion. It's legalism. It's when it gets a hold of you. And you start living by the law, and you're not living by the grace of God. The grace of God changes lives. The grace of God frees lives. The grace of God empowers life. The law will always bring you back into slavery, back into bondage. It will bind you instead of free you. I said this last week, but I'm just going to probably keep saying things again. If you know who Martin Luther is, he started the Reformation He was preaching just righteousness by faith alone, week in, week out, week in, week out. One of the people in this church is like, please tell me we're moving on from righteousness. He's like, well, every week you come in here, every week I can tell you haven't been able to understand righteousness. You're still trying to earn your salvation. So we're gonna just keep talking righteousness until that kind of hits home. So, and then even Paul said in Philippians 4, he's like, hey, I could repeat these things again. Rejoice in the Lord. It's a safeguard for you to just say things over. So anyway, I said this last week, but the gospel is not the A B C's of Christianity. It is the A through Z. You don't graduate the gospel. You don't move on to higher spiritual truths. You're like I'm a third heaven kind of guy. The gospel is kind of like you know second class. It's like we don't graduate the gospel. It really is. It's the message of all messages. It's the message that changes us, that transforms us. It's the very message that we should be preaching to ourselves daily, reminding ourselves of the gospel. See, if we're not moved to share about Jesus or to want to see lives transformed or changed, it's probably because the gospel is not grabbing hold of us. We have forgotten the good news of what Jesus did for our life and he wants to do in other people's life. And he's a God who rescues us. He's a God who saves us. He's a God who lifts people's heads and restores life. Come on. Guys, this is the simple gospel. Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, and you are raised to the newness of life. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't get better than that. The gospel is so simple that Jesus was crucified for your forgiveness and he was raised and you were raised with him into the newness of life. Buried with him in baptism, raised to the newness of life. And I said it last week, he's not trying to fix up or the, the version of you or here's the 2.0 version of you. He sank the whole thing. I mean, you had a, a 44 foot, we'll say sailboat and you're like, it's a nice boat, huh, Jesus. He's like, it's okay. You know, the boat goes down. He's not trying to remodel the boat or make a better boat. He's actually raising it as a yacht. And you're just like, whoa, you, you don't want to just remodel my 40-foot sailboat? I love going out on the ocean with that. He's like, no, I got this yacht for you. Actually, that's kind of the billionaire status. You got to get in there. But that is who you are today in Christ Jesus. It's not a better version of you. It's a brand new The word's kairos. It's a brand new version of you. Religion will always take your focus off of Christ and it'll put your focus back on you. When the good news has always been, look what Jesus did. Look what Christ did for me. Look what Christ did for you. Look what Christ did for all nations. Guys, religion, performance-based Christianity, legalism, it's all about formulas. When God's all about faith, someone needs to hear that. Performance-based Christianity, when we're caught up in the law, we're caught up in formulas of trying to earn certain things and do certain things. When God said, it's just about faith, believe in me. Do you know what I mean by that? if I do this or I don't do that, it should mean this. Sounds a little like karma. Doesn't sound very gospel. But sometimes we think like that. We're like, well, if I do good, I deserve good. If I do crappy, well, shoots, then crap it is. It's like, that's not the gospel. The gospel is you always have a loving father and a loving dad who's always for you, never against you. And if you know the, son, the story of the prodigal son, look what he did when he finally said, oh, hey, I'm done eating out of the, the pig's food. I'm coming back to dad. Dad took off running for him. Guys, you could even turn good things into formulas. Well, I miss my quiet time. There's no way God can use me today. What? Because, I mean, I love the quiet time, but you miss it in the morning, so the day's done? I mean, when I was young, I was reading this guy, Leonard Ravenhill. He's like, if you don't pray for two hours a day, you're nothing in the pulpit. I'm like, well, crap. All right, three minutes. I don't know what else to pray for. God, send fire. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a formula. I got to pray for two hours or I can't do anything in this pulpit that the spirit can't work through me. And I'm all about prayer in a prayer life. Same with fasting. You can turn fasting into a work, into a formula. Well, I'm fasting for this breakthrough. And God, you know I'm on day 37 of 40. So when I get to 40, bring the breakthrough. (laughs) Sure. If the spirit is in that and he's moving your heart to fast for certain things, fast away. Save the world some food. You know what I mean? But like, don't think your fasting is going to release the hand of heaven. God's already, his hands are open to you. He wants to bless. He wants to move. He wants to bring revival. We're not begging him to do things. He's a good dad. He wants to do things. Guys, religion will always crush us because we can never measure up. We could just, we can never measure up. Said it this too last week, but it's like, which way in your relationship is the arrow going mostly? Is it an arrow that goes from heaven to you? Because isn't that the message that God, in the midst of our, in sin, want nothing to do with him, actually an enemy, left heaven, took on an earth suit, pursued you and me? But your relationship today, which way is the arrow going mostly? Is it you trying to get God to do something or is it you learning to receive all he's done for you and responding off of that? That's a way different way to live your life. You know what I mean? One way is just like, God, I'm a bit constipated spiritually, but move. And the other is like, ha, ah, yes, dad's for me. I mean, guys, Romans five seventeen: those who receive the abundance of grace... And a free gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And just ask yourself, how are you doing on receiving grace? And it says not just a little, but you got to get abundance. And a free gift of righteousness. Because that is how we reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. There's no other way to reign except from the place of I'm receiving what he has given me today. And I know I'm I'm talking law here, and when I'm talking the law, guys, I'm talking the the 613 commandments along with the Big Ten. You know, I'm talking about the Old Covenant, you know, which worked back then because they had the sacrificial system and everything going on, and God was trying to create a culture out of bondage. But everything in the Old Testament, don't miss this, is types and shadows. It wasn't the fulfillment. And Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. Not abolish it, but I fulfilled it. I was the perfect sacrifice for you. Something I just hate about religion and people trying to just, it it makes God out to be someone he's not. And Tozer said, what you believe about God is the most important thing that you believe. And if you don't believe he's a good God that wants to bless you, apart from your behavior, we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourself. Not a result of works that no one should boast. Like no one's going to work their way to heaven. That's what every other religion will teach you. Once you do these things, then you can work your way there. Do these things, then you can even have planets one day. I don't want a planet. I like the people. I just want to be with everyone else. But it's crazy. Every other religion, just study them. They're locked in on fear. And it's the fear that will motivate you. But Christianity, Jesus, he's locked in on love. And he knows if he can get you in love, he's got you. Because you're just like, here I am, Lord, send me. Oh, I want to read the Bible. I want to go to the nations. I want to get, you know, there's nothing that's like pushing you. It's maybe an invitation, but you're the one who gets to say yes or no. Guys, verse 4, but it was because of false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. Guys, those are strong words. Listen to those, guys. It was because of these false brethren. This is what Paul's fired up about. He's like, I brought you to Jesus, the gospel of grace, but these people had come in secretly To spy out our freedom, our liberty, which we have in Christ, in order to bring us into bondage. Guys, the law, if you're living by the law, it crushes your spirit. It really does. And the scary thing about the law, guys, is this. It could diagnose things extremely accurately in your life but it has no power to transform you or change you. It's like a mirror. It's like boom, boom, but no chance of transforming you or changing you. You know who loves the law? The devil. The devil loves the law. Satan is a prosecutor. And a very gifted one. If you think you're gonna outdo him, uh uh, he will pin you to stuff and hold you to that stuff. And the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. And if you know where I'm coming out of, it's Revelation 12. He says he accuses the brethren day and night. It's not just like, oh, take the four o'clock hour, day and night. This is why you have to get so solid in the gospel of grace or you will live in his camp of getting accused day and night, day and night. And then it says they overcame him. How? Somebody, the blood of the lamb. First thing, is the blood bigger than our sins and shortcomings, mistakes and failures? 100. Christ crucified for the forgiveness of all sins. Bible says he reconciled the cosmos to himself, not counting their sins against them. That's a forgiven world. That's actually a forgiven universe. Those are the planets. <laughs> they overcame because of the blood of the Lamb, their word or their testimony. What does that mean? Who is God in your life? And they didn't love their life unto death. Guys, Paul told Timothy this. This is in 1 Timothy, I believe it's 4 or 5. He said, the law was not made for the righteous. That's who you are if you're in Christ. You're righteous as a gift. But the law was made for the rebellion, the rebellious. Did you hear that? The law was not made for the righteous. It was made for the rebellious. The law is not a friend. It's a crappy thing. But it's no friend, and if we're in friendship with the law, like we're going to be in a place of not feeling so hot. Guys, look at these verses. Keep the Bibles open, please. Uh, go to Galatians 3:24. "Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. What is the purpose of the law? It had a purpose. It was your tutor to make you say, I actually need a savior. I need Jesus. I can't fulfill this. I can't do this. And then goes on to say, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor. Kick the tutor out of your life. It's done its job. 26, for all, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus That is the kicker. Intimacy has been restored. See, guys, the law was so sterile. It's like, here's a book. Hope you can follow it. And then Jesus came and was like, here's a person. I love you. And I'm with you. And I want to talk to you and communicate with you. (sighs) Guys, the Christian life, it wasn't meant to be lived in a courtroom. It was meant to be lived in the Father's house. You know what I mean? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one's coming to Daddy except through me. No one's coming to the Papa, to the Father except through me. He wanted to bring us into the Father's house. Where we can have real conversation and real intimacy and real connection. But it's so easy to live your Christianity in a courtroom. About right and wrong. Am I doing enough, not doing enough? You know, and the enemy's like, cool, man, I'm in the courtroom too. I'll get you. Hmm. The problem with the law, it doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone around you. Because you're judging yourself, you're hard on yourself, and you think you're gonna be like a grace giver to other people. Hey. You have mistakes, you have shortcomings, it's okay. When the law's pinning you, you're just shifting that on to other people around you too. That's why the Bible's like freely receive, freely give. That's not always a great thing. But you can't give what you're not living, what you don't have. Man, I know good and sincere believers, like man, people who but they're just stuck. They literally are. They're great people, but they're stuck in that cycle. And in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul, Paul called it the ministry of condemnation and death. He said, if you're still living in that old covenant, that law living, that's the ministry now of condemnation and death. There's no life in that. Somebody, please. Please. I mean, these are strong words, guys, coming out of the mouth of Paul. The ministry of condemnation and death. When the Bible's saying there's now no for condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, guys, condemnation could be the deepest root, and we're not going to go there today. Bringing so much stress onto people's bodies, bringing fear, bringing anxiety, because they don't know where they stand with God. And there's this deep under thing of judgment that they are afraid of. That's why perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear is what? About punishment. Judgment. Guys, a wise woman in my life during my first year of marriage told me this. She says, people grow best in the soil of grace, not the soil of law. Just a bummer that that wise woman was my wife. (laughs) God has helped me grow. Still growing. Oh man, we have a lot of musicians in this church. We've always attracted like artists and musicians, and I mean, I'm the offbeat clapper. You'll probably pick up on that sooner or later, and I draw stick figures, and you know. But I know this: when you create an atmosphere of grace, a culture of grace, creativity could be birthed. And what kills creativity is when the law comes in and you're trying to measure up and trying to copy other people and sound like other people and draw like other people and write like other people. But once you know who you are and are okay to be who you are, then you can create from that place because God made you perfect. And again, that's not my words. That's Hebrews 10, 14. It says you are perfect. I don't feel, I know you don't feel it, me either sometimes, but you are. He didn't mess up when he brought the yacht. He was like, wow, now I just need my kids to discover who they really are. Guys, the two best books in the Bible on grace is the book of Romans and Galatians. You're not gonna find better books. The book of Romans feels very offensive. The book of Galatians feels defensive. He's just like, whoa, okay, here they come. You know, Sneaking in, you know, and trying to clear things up. But I want to read you guys something out of Romans 7. If you can turn there for me. It's just a few books back, if you don't know. And this is talking about getting free from relationship with Mr. Law. Yep, and moving into relationship with Mr. Grace. But listen to this. "'Or you do not know, brethren, from speaking of those who know the law, that the law has jurisdictions over a person as long as he lives.' For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, this is talking the covenants, God, getting out of the old, getting into the new, getting out of law, getting into grace. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband so then if while her husband is living she is joined to another man she shall be called an adulteress but if her husband dies she's freed from the law so that she is not an adulteress though she is joined to another man therefore my brethren you also were made to die to the law somebody come on yes Die to the law through the body of Christ so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that you may bear fruit for God. For while you were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of your body to bear fruit for death. But now you've been released from the law, having died to that by which you were bound so that we serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. (laughs) I mean, for real, though, right? It's like we die to the law. Why? So we can live for this new husband, Mr. Grace. I mean, who likes being told like da 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 da? da. It's like you never measure up to that. But when you're actually free to choose love because someone's loving you, you come alive. You get free. Mmm. <laughs> wow. Wow. All my notes aren't even making sense. I'm like, nah. No. Nah, no. Nah. Guys, why do you think we like to live by the law sometimes? Yeah. You know, I think some of it has to do, we just like to be in control. We like to be in control. And it feels good to know that like, there's a report card. oh, that's where I'm at. OK? I'll, I'll be the one to do the report card on me, and I'll be the one to do the report card on you and all of humanity. And I know. I know how those people are thinking in Florida right now. Don't worry. I got them. It's like, huh. Do we? I mean, and, and if we're honest with God, if we're honest with God, don't sometimes we're like, God, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. We're like, I don't even want to do relationship. Just tell me. And God's like, hey, why don't you choose? Oh, that's paralyzing. Don't do that. And we just like feel alone, even though we have a father who wants to do life with us. And sometimes make decisions together. And sometimes it's like, You know, God's like, hey, I'll tell you stuff. But a lot of times God's like, I want to do life with you. And that's what the garden was about. God's like, yo, Adam, what do you want to call that animal? Elephant. That's a great name. What about that one? Hummingbird. Sweet. What else? You know, it's just like, I mean, that must have took years. I don't know. We don't even know how long Adam and Eve were around before, like, they ate that fruit, you know? It's like, that might have been like, hey, this is our five-year journey together. And I was like, sweet, I got a lot of time on my hand. God's like, me too. I'm like, let's do this together. But do you understand that God wanted to do life with us? That's the heart of a father. You want to do life with your kids. I mean, I love playing pickleball with my boys and beating them. It feels good. I mean, they actually beat me. They, Mike, I got it. Thank you. They beat me. I had a blind blenders when they did, and I, I owned up to it won't happen again (laughs) Samuel reminds me yeah grace and Samuel reminds me he's like you're going out of your prime I'm coming into my prime I'm like dang dang there's some truth on that there's some truth on that I feel that a little (laughs) Uh. but guys the, the the law honestly it allows you to measure your spirituality right we're like, am I doing good? Am I not doing good? Am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? I mean, you get in a cycle. That is a hamster wheel. That's a hamster wheel. It's a bad one to be into. And I, and I think if we're honest, even as like pastors, parents, leaders, stuff, you know, like we're, we're scared of freedom. Like freedom's kind of scary. I mean, Thomas Jefferson, founding father, said, you know, free people are the hardest people to govern. They really are. It's like, I don't want, you know, like people are free. They're like, well, they'll just go on sinning, Jason. If you tell them like the grace of God will cover everything. It's like, you haven't heard the gospel unless you think that thought. You have not heard the gospel unless you think you can just go on sinning. And that's why Paul had to clear that up in Romans 6.1. What should we say? Should we just go on sinning so the grace may increase? May it never be. How are we who died to sin still live in it? But that was after he said all these amazing things about the grace of God, because he knew people's mind would be like, hey, I could just go do Whatever. But guys, free people? I mean, they might, they might not come to church. <gasps> you know what I mean? It's like, and that's why religion will sometimes book people in on fear, you know? Because it gets them to show up, it gets them to give. The law actually works. It's a sad thing, but it crushes us. It doesn't allow us to be who God made us to be. Hmm. I mean, you guys know these stories, but we don't need to go into all of them. But like, I mean, I don't have a bunch, but I definitely know this is true. But inmates will get out of prison. They've been in there for years. And then they get out into freedom. And then they'll commit crimes on purpose to go back in. Because that freedom is too much. They were in a system of law for so long that they're just like, I wake up this, I eat this, I do this, I can't do this, okay. And then they get out and they're like, it's paralyzing. That amount of freedom. I just want a culture here of grace. A culture that gives people permission. A culture that believes in people in the midst of their mistakes and mess-ups. You know, even this week I'm talking with this worship leader, incredible worship leader. This guy is just so amazing. I love this guy to death. But he's at this church. And due to him looking at pornography. In July, anyone that looks at porn even once on the worship team up here can't worship again for a whole year, can't lead worship for a whole year. I'm just like, wow, that's a lot. And it wasn't like he's practicing pornography and checking it out and doing it all the time. It was a one slip up. And this guy's incredible and he loves God, but now we're going to bench him for a year? I mean, I'm okay with people taking a step back, but it's like a year on the bench from one mistake. I mean, are we going to go Jesus on people, you check out a woman you've caught adultery. It's like just because he clicked it, maybe you thought it for a few seconds and you're like, "Whoa, Any man here?" Just being honest. I mean, you're constantly need to take thoughts captive and back to him. Or it's game over. Hmm. Guys, the gospel is so scandalous. (laughs) It's so scandalous. It really is. It's like you are guilty. You have done those things. And God's like, innocent, forgiven, justified, white as snow, pure, holy. It's just like, what? What? It makes no sense. It's not fair. It's not fair. See, we want justice. Unless it's for us, we're like, mercy. But justice for you, but mercy for me. But just, you know, just say, take that one as a freebie. But I mean, guys, the cross of Christ, they're di- he's dying. The thief next to Jesus is on the cross. If you went to the cross, it's because you did something horrific, it was horrible. That's how you got on the cross. That was the worst way of torturing people in the Roman society. And this guy makes one comment to Jesus. Remember me when you go into paradise and Jesus says, this very day you'll be with me. <laughs> what? He didn't repent. He didn't change his life there. He just said, Jesus, remember it. Jesus is like, no doubt you'll be with me in paradise. Let's go. I'm just like, that's scandalous, dude. You just gave him like access in one second it's wildness man wildness up in here I was 18 years old I had a low rider truck I had a lot of identity things going on that's why I praise God I think you're redeemed I wasn't a Christian probably Tupac was playing super loud I thought I was something but I wasn't Lord thank you for humbling me anyway then I raised my truck another identity crisis um, don't worry about that don't worry about that uh, but I'm just cruising down this hill, like super fast, you know, and I'm like, oh, there's probably a cop down there. I should probably slow down. So I get down there. I hit at 57. Cop pulls me over. Ticket. I was like, no. I probably said some other things back then, but we'll just go with no. So I went to court, you know, get to court. Judge is there. Cop's there. And I just I took pictures. I'm like, it was a speed trap, you know, judge, da, 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 you know, and he's like, hmm. And then the cop opens his mouth and he says, yeah, he was um, going 57 when the safe speed was 45. And the judge is like, what? The safe speed's 45 when the speed limit's 50? He's like, no. He's like, you're good, innocent. And I was like, say what? And the cop was so pissed, you can tell. And I was like, I'm good? He's like, you go. I was like, wow, this is pre-Jesus. It felt so good to know I was guilty, but then I was innocent and I was like, I probably did say God was good. Uh, all right. Don't forget who your judge is. His name is Jesus. He's already declared you righteous. It's a bridegroom judge. You stand before that judge, not any other judge. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool. Amen
1: and amen.